Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com? Here is this week's teaching. Uh, let me say welcome to those of you who are watching on Church 307, to the guys over at the prison, to our friends at the jail, and those of you who are here at the room. We are in a series right now called The Perfect Library. I know there's a lot of uh, tension in conversations about libraries lately, but did you know that there is such a thing as a perfect library? There is, and it's right here. This is a perfect library, the Bible. And I've been really careful throughout my ministry to emphasize the fact that the Bible is not a book. The Bible is a library of books. Why do we emphasize that? Well, when you, when you go into a library, what's the first question you ask? You ask, which book should I read first? Where, where should I start? Or what, where is this type, what section is this type of book in? And, and what kind of information did this type of book give me? Now, if the Bible is simply a book, you don't ask that question. If the Bible is just a book, where do you start reading? In the beginning, if somebody recommends a book to you, you don't say, where should I start? There's, the person would be like, uh, duh. We go left to right in our language. That's just what we do. And I think this is important because not all books of the Bible are equally applicable, right? If you could only read one book of the Bible for the rest of your life, how many of you would pick Leviticus? Nobody? Not, not going to be your first choice? Now, this is not to say that all the books in the Bible are not divinely inspired. They are. The books are all given to us by God, but they are not all equally applicable. They don't all contain the same information, and they are not all as helpful as each other. So I recommend, today I'd like to just go through some recommendations about how I think you should read the Bible. So the first recommendation is start reading in Matthew. That's the first book of the New Testament of the Bible. Do you remember, uh, remember DVDs? Anybody? Yeah? Uh, back in the day, we had DVDs, and, and when you put the DVD in, it would bring up a menu, and on that menu in the DVD, you would have different options of things that you could watch, right? Sometimes there was like the behind the scenes or extra scenes, cut out scenes. And then there was always that, that how it was made option, you know, on the extras. You could watch how the movie was made, the making of Castaway. And then it would go back into all the details about how Tom Hank had to gain weight or whatever. Well, if, if you start in the beginning of the Bible... If you just start at the beginning of the library, I'm going to go, start with A and move through to Z or something like that. What you're doing is you're watching the how it was made before you watch the movie. 
Because those of us who use the Christian Bible, we recognize that the beginning part of the Bible, that library, is the backstory. It's the how we got to the, the big main story. Because there are two parts of the Christian Bible, you know this. There's the Old Testament. This is the how it was made. It's the Hebrew scriptures, the Jewish Bible. And we need to understand the story of the Old Testament. We need to understand the principles of the, the Old Testament. But for many of us, that can come later. It's good to learn those things, but we need to start with the main story. Because the whole point is Jesus. We need to start with Jesus. So the part of the Bible that is written to us or is more applicable to us is the New Testament, the second part of our Bibles. And the, the second part opens up with the birth of God, of Jesus, who came to give us a better testament. It's better. Read the book of Hebrews. The New Testament is better than the Old Testament. And when you're reading, it will help you to know that the book you're reading was written to you. It's applicable to you. And actually, I think while you're reading these Bibles, it's helpful to pay attention to who is the author writing to. Who, who, who were they writing this letter to or this book that they wrote to? So that leads me to the second point that I would say. How do I read the Bible? Know the context of the passage that you're reading. Because there's a common temptation in the church today to Google phrases. Like I heard a pastor one time say this and... Maybe he was taking it out of context because we're really just Googling a phrase. And it's very easy to use bits and pieces of Scripture to prop up your own ideas, to prop up your own agenda, to overemphasize one thing when Scripture actually emphasizes something different. When we take the Bible out of context, we usually are using it as a tool or as a weapon, not following it not listening to it. So ask yourself this question. What is this passage that I am reading meant to teach me? What's its purpose? Don't just find the clever verses in there. Figure out what is it teaching to me? If you're reading a parable of Jesus, sometimes when we think about metaphor, we can use them to uh, represent many different things. And sometimes you can pull meaning out of a, a story that maybe wasn't the direct intended meaning, and that's okay sometimes. But the primary thing that we do when we're reading a parable is to ask ourselves the question, what is Jesus intending to teach me? Figure out what he is teaching and then follow his instruction. Don't use it as a tool alone. One thing that can be helpful when we read our Bibles is to pay attention to section headings. Now, these section headings in the Bible are not part of the Bible. They are not part of the divinely inspired Word of God. But people who have interpreted our Bible have added section headings at the beginning of different sections in the Bible... And I think it's a good thing because it helps us to know, okay, here is what they're getting at. Here's the big picture. Here's what I should pull out of this. By the way, you should know that the chapters and verses were not added by, by the authors. 
When you are reading the Bible, sometimes I think we do a disservice when we only read chapter and verse. Because the Bible was not written in chapter and verse. The Bible is a story. And sometimes segmenting it out and just pulling bits and pieces causes us to miss the bigger picture story. Don't use the Bible as a tool for your agenda. Follow its story. Follow its agenda. Next way that we should read the Bible, honor it. You know, the Bible is special. There is nothing else like it, nothing even close. I know people like to compare it to other religious texts. No other religious text has anything compared to what the Bible has. They are not comparable. Honor it. Respect it. Cherish it. And when I talk about honoring it, I'm not talking about, well, we got to make sure to keep the pages nice and clean and flat. And that's what leads to a lot of dusty Bibles on coffee tables. I think a worn Bible is an honored Bible. Mark it up. Dig into it. Take notes. Get to know it. Like, it should look worn if you're honoring it. Because it's not just a book. It's not paper. The the word of God is not paper. The word of God reveals to us God. We don't just look at it. We love it. We don't just look at it. We allow it to reveal God to us. The Bible is not a mural to look at. It is a window to look at through. Because a mural is a snapshot in time. A picture is a snapshot in time. You get one thing out of it and you can study it for a while, but its depth is limited. The Bible is not like that. The Bible is more like a window in which you're looking through it to see something bigger on the other side. And what is on the other side is alive. It's not stagnant. It's not just a snapshot in time. The Bible reveals God to us. It reveals who he is. It's not a rule book. It's not a history book. Now, it contains rule books, and it contains history books. But the main purpose is God gave it to us so that we could see him, so that we can get to know him. And when you recognize that the Bible is a living library, then it becomes infinitely complex, infinitely deep. Why? Because it is a window to look at the infinitely complex and infinitely deep God that we worship. The scriptures are shallow enough for a babe to come and drink without fear of drowning and deep enough for theologians to swim in without ever reaching the bottom, St. Jerome. If you will use the Bible as a guide to Jesus rather than as a tool to prove your point, as a weapon to get your way, then it will lead you to depths you could never reach on your own. Your agenda isn't good enough. Your opinion isn't 
good enough. The only way to reach the depths that God is calling you to is to follow it, to, to, to absorb its wisdom, not to use it for your wisdom. For you have been, Peter says, for you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end, not to a temporary life. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal the living word of God. Your life comes from the word of God. It is not just paper. It is not just words. Without the word of God, you cannot grow spiritually. Does that mean that, that you can't grow unless you read line by line? And No. People grew spiritually, in fact, for Many years, for hundreds of years, before the Bible was ever compiled. So when we talk about the, the Word of God, we're talking about something bigger than the paper, the book that we read. But the, the library is a way, is a primary way that we can hear from God, that we can learn from God. It's not the only way. But it is the primary way. Peter continues, as the scriptures say. People are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. So our bodies, in other words, will fade away. I don't know if you, about you, but I'm not getting better looking. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached. The word was the good news that was preached to you. Is preached to you. You know, we cannot fully understand Scripture until it is taught to us. I'm not saying that you can't get to know God just by reading Scripture on your own. You can. But you cannot get to the depths that it wants to take you to on your own. You need help, you need advisors, you need teachers. Even the smartest people need to be taught. It's too deep to do alone. So how to read the Bible? Read with a wise advisor. Find someone who's read it a lot and talk to them when you have questions. If someone, if, if you're reading the Bible and it doesn't sit right with you, don't just explain it away or, or gloss over it. Stop. I don't, I don't get this, I don't understand this, or I don't like this. Stop there. And talk to somebody about it. Find somebody who does. And have a conversation with them. And this is where I have to talk about life groups, right? Life groups work best when the members of the life group have done reading on their own throughout the week. And then when they come together in their life group, they talk about what they've read. They ask questions to each other about what they've read. They wrestle with things that they disagree with that they read. And we find within our life group wise advisors, even if they're not farther along on the journey than we are, and even if they don't know more about the Bible than they do, people have insights that we do not have, and we study together. And we learn more together than we ever would alone. Next, I'd say acquire the taste of Scripture. 
Most people do not fall in love with the Bible the very first time they read it. Now, I've heard stories of people that do, but for most people, it's a required taste. It's like coffee. I've given my son a couple sips of my coffee, and he does that thing where he pretends like he likes it, you know? I love coffee. So good. I see why you guys drink this all the time. No, you don't crave the word of God until you've developed a taste for it, until you've read it for a while, until you've heard from it a while, until you recognize its depth. So acquire the taste. Start moving in that direction. Peter continues. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy. He's connecting the word of God to these actions. And all kind of in all unkind speech, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. Crave it. Crave the word of God. Desire to hear from God. In other words, it's not going to just come naturally. You're going to have to seek it out before you develop a taste for it. So develop the taste for it. So that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. You may mature. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Hearing the word of God is tasting that the Lord is good. Because before we were Christians, God did not taste good to us. Before we were Christians, God was just a bunch of rules that we had to follow. The Bible was just a book. You crazy people put all your hope and faith in a book. This is what I hear atheists on YouTube say all the time. You really trust that book so much that you're ready, ready to do all those rules, follow all those rules. When you're on the outside looking in, that's what you see. Until you taste it and you recognize that it's good. It's not, it may sound like foolishness to some. It may sound like it's just some boring book. But when we believed it, it opened our eyes. And we could see things that we could never see before. Someone might say, well, I'm just going to try to hear the word of the Lord in other ways, right? I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to show up to life group. I'm not going to do any reading. I'm just going to do it in other ways because I don't like reading, right? And this is a common Christian thing to say. And my response usually is, why? Why would you do that? Why would you deprive yourself like that? If I write my wife a long love letter that's descriptive, talking about how beautiful, like Song of Solomon style love letter to my wife. And then one day she complains to me. Babe, how come you never tell me that you love me? Like, what? Did you read the letter? What do you mean I never? She's like, well, every time we hang up, up, you just say bye. And I say, love you, bye. Right? Why don't you say love you, bye? I'm like, I, but the letter, aren't you listening? Like, just because I didn't say it just then, this is what we do to God. Well, God, Why don't you talk to me in this way? 
Why don't you talk to me when I want to hear from you? Why don't you say the things that I want to hear? He's like, did you read the letter? I wrote it to you. God wrote you a love letter, church. Stop complaining that he doesn't talk to you. When we complain that God is not talking to us, I imagine that he's standing up in heaven. And he's like, have you already listened to what I already said? If you ignore me when I, what I've already said, why would I say more? You've already ignored me. So what's kind of the, the obvious conclusion to this conversation? What's kind of the big point? Read the Bible. I don't care if you listen to it on an app. If you read one verse a day. Or if you read through the whole Bible every year. Just start reading. Dive in. Develop the taste for it. Did you know that people who read the Bible four times a week experience 30% less loneliness than people who don't. They are 30 anger, angry 32% less. They are bitter 40% less. They struggle with alcoholism half as much. Half. They experience spiritual stagnation 60% less than people who only read it. And, and included in the people that it was compared to were people who only read once a week. What do we have to do to recognize that it works? That it's better? You know, I have a lot of friends that are like buff and they walk around all day and I'm like, I wish I looked like that. I wish I was like him, Right? And it's a very obvious conclusion. If I want to look like him, what do I got to do? I got to live at the gym like he does. That's what I do. The problem is we have not made that same kind of connection when it comes to spiritual things. We see spiritually healthy people and we're like, well, they must be lucky. Their life must be easy. We, we see people who don't struggle with the things that we struggle with and we, and we assume that it's just because of circumstances. Well, the things that I've gone through are just harder. Why don't we connect the dots? When we see in survey and study after study after study that this stuff works, that it will make your life better and it'll make you better at life. When is it gonna click with us where we're like, hey, if I want to experience less bitterness, if I want to experience less anger, I'm going to have to just dive in. That spiritual stuff works. I'm going to start trusting it. I'm going to start following it. Because naturally we say, okay, what does the Bible have to do with loneliness, right? It seems pretty lonely sitting around in my house reading a book. That seems like a lonely activity. Yet people who read the Bible are less lonely. Why? Because it instructs us in what healthy fellowship looks like. It's effective. It works. So before we end today, what I'd like to do, you've noticed up here, I've got a stack of 
Bibles, and I'd just like to recommend some Bibles to you. The first one, I think, is not the first one we think about, but I think it's the best one for me, is the Bible app. I don't know if you, if you don't have the Bible app on your phone, just ignore everything else I'm saying from here on out and go download the Bible app on your phone. You have to have the Bible app on your phone. Get the Bible app on your phone. Did I mention there's an app called the Bible app? Actually, it's called Version, and it's awesome. It's amazing. It gives you all kinds of tools and like you can set goals and it'll count how many days in a row you've read it and you can like get competitive with yourself and read it more days in a row. There's all kinds of plans and you, you join a plan and I wanna learn more about this and it'll help you learn more about that. Get the Bible app. I read this more than I read these. In fact, I listen to this more than I read this. Every day, running on the treadmill, put in my AirPods, push play. Matthew 1, push play, listen. Like, if that's what, I've heard the dyslexic or the I don't read good argument so many times. I'm like, guess what? Morgan Freeman or whoever else they got reading this one, he can read just fine. Go listen to him. And then I want to tell you about some other ones that I've used quite a bit in my life. This one is uh, the Life Application Study Bible. These, from top to bottom, are probably just like a little bit more deep dive up on top, and then we're going to get a little bit uh, easier to read as we get through them. This one is the Life Application Study Bible. If you've ever read a study Bible, it's just got all kinds of notes and references. You know, the bottom of the page that says like, here's another detail about this verse that you didn't know. It'll help you take a deeper dive into scripture. If you've read for a while and you've just felt like, okay, I've read this chapter a hundred times in my life. I'm not getting anything new out of it. Sometimes a study Bible can help you recognize new things in the text. And so that's the the New Living Translation. NLT uh, is the one that I read. There's also an NIV version. uh, That's good too. I really like the ESV. So pick your version. They're good. This one is the Jesus-centered Bible. This one's also New Living Translation. The Jesus-centered Bible is, because, is good because um, on almost every page, there is a reference, these little green boxes, that shows how this points to Jesus. So all the way through the Old Testament, it takes, okay, I'm reading in 2 Chronicles. How could this possibly have anything to Jesus? to do with Jesus. Well, this little section here on each page tells me, here's how this passage points forward to Jesus and reveals Jesus to us long before Jesus is ever born. And then in the, in the New Testament, well, that's a picture of Disney World. I don't know why that's in there. It's not, that will not come with your Bible if you buy that one. Uh, next one. This is the Message Bible. Uh, many of you have um, heard of this one. It's a very popular paraphrase of the Bible. This is not a word-for-word translation like these other two uh, are more like translations. Um, But this is a paraphrase. This is Eugene Peterson took the verses and he tried to put them into modern language. And so is he 100% accurate? No. Is he divinely inspired by God to write these? No. But he will help you understand scripture in a really cool way, especially some of the scripture that's harder to understand. Um, It's a cool way to read the Bible. Next is the story. If you are a novel reader, if you like those checkbooks that my wife reads all the time and somehow 
is it Jack Ryan? Jack Reacher, that's what it is. Jack Reacher, you love Jack Reacher. Then you will probably like this one. Uh, This is a novel version of the Bible. So they just took the story of the Bible and they wrote it kind of like a novel. And it's chapters, just like a normal book, uh, a normal novel that you would read. And it's a cool way to learn the Bible story in that. And then the last one I want to talk about might be my favorite one. Somebody gave me the Jesus Storybook Bible when my first son was born. And before he could ever understand anything I was saying, I started reading this Bible to him. And I was emotional at this time of my life because I was so excited to finally have a son. But I would every night start reading this Bible to my son. And every single night, I can't finish the story. I'm in tears every single night. And I have fallen in love with this Bible. Can Can I confess something to you? I read this Bible alone in my office. Like all the time. If you are new to the Bible, buy this Bible. It's not for kids. It looks like it's just for kids. It's not just for kids. Like it is good for you. Maybe if you need to read it to your kids so you don't feel dumb reading a kid Bible. But it is an amazing book. Because it doesn't have every story in the Bible. But what they do is it's similar to the Jesus uh, Bible. It, It tells you the story. So you read the story of Esther, and at the end of the story, it, the last page of every single story, it reveals how this story points to Jesus in a powerful way. And what it does is it brings the whole picture of the Bible into focus and allows you to see how God was in control all along. This book is so good. I'm telling you, if you are, if you are an 80-year-old man who's been reading your Bible since you were five, you should read this Bible. Everyone should read this Bible all the way through. I go through this book more often than I go through this book. Like, read this book. It's so good. It's so powerful. But what's the bottom line? You got to pick away. I'm just trying to convince you to pick away. I'm hoping that one of these will spark your interest and you'll just try it. Just do something, nothing, no commitment that you ever make, going to the gym or eating better or whatever commitment you decide to make will have as big of an impact on your life as diving in and learning this book. It'll mean more than anything. So start today. Don't wait. If you want to ignore me for the rest of the time and just pull it open and start reading, that's fine. Just dive in and get going. God, I thank you that you have given us your word that you delivered to us an inspired library of books that allow us to see that you are in control, that allow us to see that you are bigger than our problems, that you are bigger than our pains, and that we, when we seem to be alone and we feel like we can't hear you, God, I, I thank you that we have the option to hear from you every single day day. Help us to pursue you more with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.